0: I sure hope you bought one TJ Hawkinson on prediction strike. His stock has been hot since the trade of the Vikings. Go to the app store, get prediction strike. The promo code is underworld for a free player share with a $20 deposit prediction strike promo is underworld for the free player share.
1: Top 10 takeaways. Yes,
0: yes. We're still happening. Still going strong in the NFL playoffs. We have takes on the playoffs. We have takes on uh, Dynasty. There's plenty of takes, man. Wh- wh- why did anyone think that we weren't going to be doing top 10 takeaways after all these uh, wild and crazy NFL playoff weekends? Of course, we're, b- of course, of course. No takeaways. Guess we're not getting takeaways. That's what I'm seeing on social media. Guess we're not getting any takeaways. Guess the Pod Fathers taked out. No more takeaways. If if there's no, you know, fantasy football implications for season long leagues, then I guess the Pod Father's not interested. Wrong. Couldn't be more wrong. I'm so interested. This is fascinating what's happening. Daniel Jones just made $50 million. That's a hell of a takeaway. Good for him, man. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? A player that looks strikingly like Daniel Jones, like drafted between pick five and ten, with uh, uncommon mobility, uh, strong arm, but just couldn't put it together for the first few years of his career. And then suddenly we look up and hey, this guy's making over a hundred billion dollars. His name was Ryan Tannehill once upon a time. So Daniel Jones is the next Ryan Tannehill, and he's even more mobile. He's been better running the football. Than Ryan Tannehill was. And Ryan Tannehill played wide receiver. He's a converted wide receiver. So he's athletic. Daniel Jones doesn't look that athletic. The problem with Daniel Jones is his face. Right? So all these quarterbacks, they have interesting handicaps or benefits that they get from their face. Where Tom Brady's face is just so stoic. It's got the, the dimpled chin. It's been crafted to look like an alpha male. Without the beard, right? And then Aaron Rodgers is like, "Well, I'm not gonna do any craftsmanship with my face. I'm gonna leave it as is, but I'm gonna cover it in a big hairy beard, and that's gonna give me alpha qualities." And fine, great, cool. Daniel Jones, <sighs> mm. he looks like a high school quarterback. Still, you still, he you could hear him, right? You could hear him in the huddle, barking the call, right? Barking the next play. He's clearly got a, a good cadence with his voice. Down! Red 90! Red 90! Right, he commands the huddle. You can see all these players. They're, they're so focused on Daniel Jones. But then you see the face that it's coming out of, and it's like, well, that doesn't look like an NFL quarterback, right? I, I hope this guy uh, is able to uh, get enough credits to graduate, right? This doesn't look like an NFL situation, but he is. But he is, and he's, he's, he's looking, I mean, 300-plus yards and then 70 rushing yards on 17 attempts. They couldn't stop him. You want to know what happened? What happened to the Vikings? Well, Daniel Jones happened to the Vikings. That's what happened. Look at who Daniel Jones has for weapons, okay? If you're in the market for a quarterback and Daniel Jones is available, you push the button. You want to get this guy. He just won a playoff game with Isaiah Hodgins as his primary option. It was Isaiah Hodgins and who else, right? Richie James was out there. Darius Slayton dropping passes. Darius Slayton dropped a gimme, and you could see his face. I loved how Daniel Jones and the teammates were trying to pick up Slayton after the big drop. Just a, a could have been a soul crushing drop. Defense bailed out Darius Slayton. So yeah, a lot of these passes, right? Daniel Jones went twenty four. Of 35, But many more were catchable, right? So his catchable pass rate was incredibly high, especially for a playoff game. And he had almost twice as many rush attempts as Saquon Barkley. It was incredible. I mean, just incredible. On the other side of that game, you have TJ Hawkinson. And TJ Hawkinson could easily be the second tight end off the board in seasonal leagues in 2023 when we're thinking about what the adps will look like what's the adp board going to look like in 2023 well if you have to win a fantasy football championship you're going to remember this game from tj hawkinson and you're like well this is how i do it right and it's not the first game that tj hawkinson gone nuclear right he's had 30 point games how many tight ends in the league are even capable of a 30 point game we've seen it from evan ingram I mean, there's a handful of tight ends that can do it. Evan Ingram, probably the worst of of those that have been capable. TJ Hawkinson's able to do it time and time again. He went 10 of 11. Like, his catch rate was over 90%, and he went over 100 yards again. TJ Hawkinson's good, right? TJ Hawkinson is young, so he's 25 years old. And this idea that he's just a catch-and-fall-down tight end, that he just found himself in a target-rich environment, but he himself is still... The replacement-level talent that he was in Detroit, that's all wrong. That's not right at all. He had a similar yards per reception this year as he did two years ago. It's just that he's been growing and developing, and last year was an injury-ravaged season. That was his age 24 season injury-ravaged. Age 25 season was a massive breakout, close to 1,000 receiving yards. And then when he was 23, he puts up over 700 yards. Are you not impressed? This is a guy that was drafted at the eighth pick overall, just two, three spots after Kyle Pitts went. Kyle Pitts was the earliest drafted tight end ever, drafted fifth overall before Jamar Chase. Big mistake. Hawkinson drafted just a couple of picks later in a different draft class a couple couple of years earlier, but similar draft capital and, most importantly... He was top three in air yards and top five in yards after the catch. So, not a catch and fall down wide receiver. I saw Jacob Sanderson, <laughs> player profiler zone, Jacob Sanderson calling TJ Hawkinson a catch and fall down tight end. He's not a catch and fall down tight end. Now, he doesn't command targets at a rate that we would like. His target rate, targets per route run, was 23.8% in the regular season. That's number 10 in the league, right? That's not ideal. Right? You'd want your tight end commanding more targets than that, especially on a team like Detroit. When you look at the stats from when he was at Detroit, oh, he was competing for targets at, in some weeks with Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds. So the target rate, not impressive. Like, Is he George Kittle? No. But he's also younger than George Kittle. So it's absolutely a conversation. We're looking at the Dynasty rankings, playerprofile.com. Check out Dynasty Deluxe. You can see both tight end premium and traditional tight end leagues. And we've had TJ Hawkinson in that five spot for a long time. Will he threaten Kittle? Yes. Will he overcome Kittle? Probably not. Probably just look at the fantasy points per game. Kittle, I mean, Kittle had more fantasy points per game on a run first offense in uh, 2022. Hawkinson had fewer fantasy points per game on pass first offenses. And now he's on Minnesota, one of the great pass-first offenses. Now, Hawkinson and Kittle both went to Iowa. They practiced together in the offseason. They have similar profiles, similar athletically. But Kittle is just that much better after the catch. Now, Hawkinson, again, Jacob Sanderson is wrong. Hawkinson, not a catch-and-fall-down tight end. He's not a catch-and-fall-down receiver, but he's not what Kittle is. He's not Kittle in terms of target rate. And he's not Kittle in terms of yards after the catch. And that is the difference. Now, he's also close to four years younger than George Kittle. So that is is the tension point. Now, Kittle still has three great years ahead of him. He's been largely healthy, especially this year. It was great to see. So in Dynasty, I still prefer Kittle, still prefer Kelsey, still prefer Andrews. But it's close. Hawkinson has entered the tier. How close are they? That's the debate. But he's in the tier. He was on the outside looking in. Until this past weekend, Hawkinson was out of the tier. He was over here. Hey, guys. Hey, it'd be nice if I could be a top uh, echelon tight end in fantasy. But I'm just not. The the peripheral metrics aren't there yet. Now we're looking back at the peripheral metrics and we're like, well, okay. If he's going to be on the Vikings for a full season, then he's going to put up 14 fantasy points a game. Look what he's doing. Look what he's been doing the last few weeks. He had a 35-point game in week 16 against again, those same New York Giants that just getting shredded by T.J. Hawkins and owns them. But he also had a 40-point week with Detroit before that. But he's very volatile. I mean, I mean, so volatile. But at least now, he's proven that he can have spike weeks. Pitts hasn't even proven that. So it, it really is completely dependent on on your perspective and how you value players in Dynasty, where you rank these five guys. I could see some people having Pitts at five. I could see people having Pitts at one. I can't see anyone having Hawkinson at one. That wouldn't make any sense. It's hard to envision shuffling that deck so that you would have Hawkinson ahead of Andrews. I certainly wouldn't have Hawkinson ahead of Pitts because for years, Hawkinson wasn't breaking out all over the place. We were waiting for him, and we waited a, hell, a lot less time for Pitts, and, and Pitts has actually shown flashes of being able to command targets and, uh, and deliver yards after the catch at a point in his career when he's 21, 22 years old that we didn't see from T.J. Hawkinson. But it's a conversation. And if someone just looking at the fact that, hey, this guy is like Kittle on a pass-first offense and using that to justify taking Hawkinson, as the second tight end drafted in seasonal leagues. It's not that crazy. It's not that crazy. Now, that person would be absolutely drafting Hawkinson over Kittle in Dynasty as well, knowing that Hawkinson's almost four years younger. I believe Kittle to be a superior talent, and Kittle was a literal tournament winner in best ball leagues. So I would like to see more from Hawkinson. I've seen we've seen a couple spike weeks. We've seen incredible volatility. Kittle when especially Debo was out, Kittle was a consistent monster producer. But the question is, what is he gonna do with a healthy Ayuk and a healthy Debo next season? Assuming they don't upgrade the quarterback position or if they move to Trey Lance, right? So Trey Lance is the quarterback. Is Trey Lance gonna target the tight end any more than Purdy and Garoppolo? Probably not. Is Trey Lance gonna pull targets out of that offense? And run the ball instead of throwing it on the run? Probably. Right? So you gotta run the numbers and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, Hawkinson is moving ahead of Kittle in seasonal leagues and by extension must move ahead of them in Dynasty. Even if in a vacuum, he's not as good. So when you factor in age and situation, it's gonna be a real tension point. Everybody stay tuned. Where is where is Kittle gonna be ranked? Where is Hawkinson going to be ranked? Who's going to be the tight end four? Who's going to be the tight end five in seasonal leagues? In Dynasty, stay tuned. Isaiah Hodgins looked great. I mean, incredible, right? He, he put up close to a 90% catch rate, over 100 yards. He was basically the Hawkinson of the Giants. Did it against Minnesota, right? But he's been getting heavy snaps, getting eight targets a game the last six games. But I would remind everyone, including Ray Garvin, I was on Twitter, Asking Ray Garvin, "Hey, are we sure this isn't Travis Fulgham? Because Travis Fulgham, once upon a time, had three straight games with ten plus targets in each game and a hundred plus air yards in each game. Hodgins hasn't even come close to that, especially with the air yards. Been relatively low air yards. But who who's gonna who's gonna supplant him next year with New York? Is it going to be Wondell Robinson? Wondell Robinson's five nine. Wondell Robinson was." Barely heard from this year. Wondell Robinson's rookie year was eclipsed by even Canarius Tony's rookie year, and Canarius Tony's rookie year stunk. One good game, Canarius Tony, one good game in his rookie year, and still his rookie year more impressive than Wondell Robinson. So by process of elimination, you have to respect Isaiah Hodgins. He's going to keep moving up in dynasty. Check dynasty deluxe, see where he see where he's at. We update the rankings every week. We're adding the rookies soon. So if you have the Dynasty Dominator app and you're wondering where the where are the rookies they're coming, they will be added to the overall rankings very soon. We're trying to figure out how to you know got to incorporate this rookie class into the existing veteran players. It's not easy to do, not knowing where these players will end up. It's very speculative, but we are going to speculate. We're going to speculate heavily and get those rookies inserted into the overall rankings on Dynasty Deluxe and on the Dynasty Dominator app in the App Store. That's where you can evaluate trades. That's where you can look up player values. It's great. It's great. All of the quarterbacks that were thought to be at a disadvantage, the quarterbacks lacking talent, lacking ability, on paper, they were the inferior quarterback, whether it be Daniel Jones, whether it be Brock Purdy, whether it be... Skyler Thompson, Tyler Huntley. Now, Daniel Jones is actually good. Daniel Jones can't, again, he can't have that kind of game close to 400 combined passing and rushing yards, win a playoff game, and not get the respect. I mean, on the road, he's good. Those other guys I mentioned, we're not sure. But the bottom line is, all those guys covered. All the bad quarterbacks covered. Think about it. They did. They did. And shame on me. Shame, shame, shame on me for releasing my picks too early without thinking it through. I was like, okay, here's a bunch of picks, guys. I know you're trying to get this post out for social media. Then I I took a beat. I thought about it. I was like, wait a second. What am I what am I saying? What am I saying? Why? Why would I why? Why would I not respect the 49ers for what they are as a team? One of the best teams, unit by unit, in the NFL. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict them to lose to Seattle. This original social media graphic had me predicting a loss to Seattle. And I'm like, wait, no, no, no. Every week I come on Top Ten Takeaways, and I talk about how wide receivers are underrated and quarterbacks are overrated. And then I'm just going to look at who the quarterback is and go, oh, can't win. Oh, Brock Purdy can't win. Right? Skylar Thompson can't win. Schuyler Thompson could have won that game. Daniel Jones beat Kirk Cousins. Even the Ravens covered. I thought the Bengals would, would cover that easily. But again, that was my biases. Instead of looking at the team, the holistic picture, I was like, oh, the quarterback. Look at the quarterback difference. It's Huntley versus Burrow. Burrow's at home. Take the Bengals. Wrong. Receivers are incredibly valuable, more valuable than running backs. We've known that for a long time, but more valuable than almost any other position on an NFL team. That's what makes what Daniel Jones was doing with Isaiah Hodgins so impressive. But when you look at the 49ers, in order of importance to the outcome of that game, It was the 49ers supporting cast that they put around Brock Purdy. That was number one. You had a healthy Debo Samuel, right? That's why I was like, wait a second. You can't bet against the 49ers with a healthy Debo Samuel. He could take a five-yard slant and score a touchdown. Not to mention all the other advantages they have. Better front seven, better offensive line, just better receivers down the board. It's like, how better receivers? Yeah. When you compare Kittle versus Fant, advantage Kittle. That's the difference. Right? That is the difference. Supporting cast is so huge. And we saw it again, all of the inferior quarterbacks covered. It's just it's food for thought. Right. Mm-hmm. If you think back. The reason why I said Mike Geseki is because it was interesting to think about the 49ers and the Dolphins, right? And how Tua Tungeloa is not an above average starting quarterback in the league. What we've seen from him when he had average weapons was below average. And then when he got the best wide receiver duo in the league, suddenly he's a guy you're double stacking in DFS. What changed? Was it Mike McDaniel? No, it was the addition of Tyreek Hill. That was the big shift in San Francisco. Was it Kyle Shanahan that is inventing Brock Purdy out of whole cloth? No, no. Brock Purdy was airdropped in the perfect situation to thrive with Ayuk and a healthy Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. And he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. That we know. That's not a high bar, though. That's not a high bar, but he's still better than Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the difference. That's what you're seeing. You're not seeing adjustments made by Kyle Shanahan. You're seeing a player in Brock Purdy who is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, plus the addition of the weapons, and they win easily. So in order of importance to that 49ers win, it was the supporting cast that's around Brock Purdy, it's the line and it's the receivers. And then it's Brock Purdy himself. And then it's Shanahan. It's not Shanahan first. But what you're going to see everywhere is Kyle Shanahan. That, I don't even know why they even mentioned Brock Purdy's name. Some still don't know his name because it's the Shanahan offense. It's Shanahan did this and Shanahan did that. Shanahan, to my knowledge, has yet to take a snap. Same with Mike McDaniel. But Mike McDaniel once coached with Shanahan, right? They used the same bathroom facilities for many years. So, right, That's some of that magic dust that they sprinkle on the shoulder pads with San Francisco, clearly McDaniel put that in his pocket and he sprinkled it on Tua. Or these are the best wide receiver groups in the game. Maybe that's it. Wide receiver matters so much. That's the takeaway. And... The beauty is, on a platform like Rival, so we we talk about the Rival platform, they have custom challenges where you could say, Player X is going to outscore Player Y in fantasy football this week. And the hack on Rival is to create public challenges where you're picking the quarterback that does not have the brand equity, that was undrafted, or drafted in the sixth round, or that no one respects. You take the worst quarterbacks with the best receivers and go over or, or put them head to head against a a quarterback that's viewed as better, but has far inferior wide receivers. That's the best way to win these custom challenges. You can create your own challenge on rival and post it. And then if you're taking the Brock Purdy side, if you're taking the Skylar Thompson side that will tempt other players to take the other side, that's the whole game. The promo code is player. So go to Rival, get it, go to the app store, download it. The promo code is player, and they they refund up to $50 of losses. So if you do pick the wrong (laughs) overs or unders, or you you, you get some challenges wrong, they'll reimburse you and get you right back to square one. Gabriel Davis is now right back to square one, right? He loves the playoffs. Like if, if there's anyone that exceeds expectations more than Gabriel Davis in the playoffs, I'd love to hear it. I mean, this guy, putting up four touchdown games. If it's a playoff game, this guy shows up. If it's not the playoffs, we've talked about on the last show how he's near the bottom of the league in drop rate and contested catch conversion rate and target rate, and all these key metrics that illuminate a player's talent. Gabriel Davis underperforms. And then in the playoff game against the Dolphins, he was great, but I did notice, I just I wanted to make sure this was noted, Khalil Shakir had five targets in 50 yards. Now, he also has commanded far fewer targets as a rookie than Gabriel Davis did. Gabriel Davis is still the, the better receiver. We haven't seen enough from Shakir to say that he's better than Davis. Couldn't say that. You could say that Davis is below average for a starting NFL receiver. We don't know what Khalil Shakir is, but it's interesting that Shakir is coming and Gabriel Davis is going into his contract year. And we will see if the Bills front office has had enough of these drops and these failed conversions in contested situations and that they feel like Khalil Shakir is the heir apparent number 2 receiver in Buffalo. And whether or not Gabriel Davis gets extended this offseason will tell you everything you need to know. So pay very close attention to that. The Bengals can't win the, the Super Bowl. They can't. Jonah Williams being carted off was a titanic event. Okay, Without Jonah Williams, the Bengals cannot win. Because just like inserting a stud left tackle improves the chances that your right tackle, your guards, your center can win on any given matchup because everybody shifts to a bit of an, an easier opposing matchup across the line of scrimmage with the exception of the center. Center is its own thing. But everybody's job gets easier when an anchor left tackle emerges or is dropped into uh, an offensive line unit. This is a truth. Unfortunately, the opposite also applies. So if you lose a Jonah Williams, then everybody's job gets harder. And suddenly what was three and a half seconds of protection becomes three seconds of protection. That's a lower probability of hitting Higgins hitting Chase. Everything stops working as well. That first down that Mixon got's no longer a first down on down the line. It's already one of the hardest divisions to make the Super Bowl from in the history of the NFL. A division that has the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. So it was it was already a long shot for the Bengals to make the Super Bowl anyway without Jonah Williams, it is impossible. It is impossible. And It's also impossible for the Chargers to make the Super Bowl, (laughs) right? I mean, first of all, we should say that no team has ever crushed the turnover battle like the Chargers did. I mean, they forced five turnovers, four interceptions and a fumble recovery, and they lost the game. So now they're ignominious, but it's never been seen before. But when you look at the corresponding box scores... One dichotomy jumps out right at you, just jumps out. It's Josh Palmer on one side versus Zay Jones. That was the difference. And why was Mike Williams not playing? Well, that was uh, Brandon Staley's fault. They left the starters in too long. So if Brandon Staley is fired for a historic loss given the turnover differential and the negligence of key players' health in a meaningless game, I'm all for it. Fine, fine. Let, let fire him, and then he'll take all this as a learning experience and be better in the next spot, the next, the next place. Look, look at Doug Peterson. <laughs> Doug Peterson's not the not his first time coaching. was a head coach for Philadelphia, and was fired after winning a Super Bowl. That's a great hire. Clearly, a great hire. And the guy's a Super Bowl winning coach, and he's not past the age apex for a coach. Of course, it's going to be a great hire. The Chargers really missed Mike Williams. When you look at what Josh Palmer did, he went two of six for 31 yards. That's a 5.15 yards per target. Atrocious. Josh Palmer was an embarrassment. He is the cardboard cutout replacement level starting NFL receiver. How many times have we said that? It was like the fifth time. And then you see why. This is why. This is why. Zay Jones is now better than average. See, this is the thing. Zay Jones used to be Josh Palmer. Now he's developed into something much better. Much better. And look at the contract. Look at the contract that Jacksonville paid Zay Jones. And I'm looking at contracts now. By the way, Ryan Tannehill, $120 million contract with the Titans. So when I say Daniel Jones just made $50 $50 million, yeah. It's, re- it's real. So let's look up the Zay Jones contract. Zay Jones was overpaid, right? $14 million guaranteed for a player that had not produced any any kind of difference-making numbers in his history at age like 27. He had failed to break out, but he's broken out now. He broke out. Someone with Jacksonville knew something about Zay Jones, man. And as it turns out, because the wide receiver position is so valuable, again, I contend that I alone value the wide receiver position properly, that it's just ridiculous to be so quarterback-centric with your analysis. Zay Jones was a, was a bargain <laughs> at the time, I had no idea. But now when you you factor in how well he's played, plus showing up in a playoff game when Josh Palmer no-showed, and what we're seeing with all these these wide receivers carrying teams, carrying offenses, Jacksonville stole Zay Jones. <laughs> it was a steal. I mean, what a great what a great thing to be wrong about. All right, especially with a guy that he had an emotional meltdown early in his career, left Buffalo. You know, whenever you're on TMZ, you and your brother are on TMZ. It's you're probably in a bad place, and Zay Jones was in a bad place, and he persevered. He had the fortitude and he came back and now he's well paid and he's a key member of a team that's now working its way into the playoffs. So I'm very, I'm super happy for Zay Jones. It's a real, it's a real feel good moment to see what he did, especially compared to Josh. (laughs) (laughs) And if you remember, if you're watching the, uh, our betting show, which is, a, I love doing the betting show. We're going to be making some tweaks. I've got some listener feedback. We're going to be making some tweaks to have even more conviction on the juice betting show. But I had strong conviction in at least two positions, and the feedback is you guys need to have stronger conviction on more positions, and I said, uh, okay, that sounds fair. We can do that. So now what we're going to do is come stronger, harder, more debate, but I will remind you that I had two very strong opinions on the last uh, Juice show. First of all, Chargers-Jaguars over, right? That, that it was bol- anything below 50 for total, over, right? And Godwin overs, over receptions, over yards. Take every Godwin prop and take the over on Chargers-Jaguars. Other things could happen, throughout the weekend that I have less conviction about. I have maximum conviction about those things. Cha-ching! But yes, yes, yes. I will bring even stronger, even more high conviction takes to the Juice Betting Show moving forward based on listener feedback because I am nothing but a, a conduit for your feedback, for what you want. We will make it happen. You are the... The boss. You're the real boss. The listener is the real boss. And you can always email me, podfather at com with any show feedback, anything you want to say, any tips, any direction you want a show to move, I am here for you. I will not move players up and down in the Dynasty rankings. Right? DK Metcalf has been parked in the top eight, not moving. And you saw why. 35 fantasy points, including a 50-yard splash play in a game where the 49ers are known for taking away perimeter receivers. So if you primarily play on the boundary, the fantasy point production for those wide receivers against the 49ers this year has been relatively low. That's why Tyler Lockett was a recommended play. And yet, here comes DK Metcalf. He can rise up out of that primordial soup against any defense. Like He is matchup-proof. And that's what it takes to be a top 10 wide receiver in Dynasty. The numbers haven't been there, right? St. Brown has the numbers. But, uh, you know, we've resisted pushing, like, the Londons and the Olaves ahead of an established stud like DK Metcalf. And then you saw why on Sunday. It was actually Saturday. And uh, Monday night football. Dak Prescott, uh, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, after leading the league in interceptions, and uh, if I could have bet on zero interceptions, I would have. I would have that too easy. Dak Prescott takes care of the football. He's taking care of the football every year in Dallas, and he took care of the football at Mississippi State. This is what he does. One of the, the most clear and obvious stats on the Dak Prescott Mississippi State profile was the touchdown interception ratio. Showed that he would be able to be a great decision-maker at the NFL level. What I loved about Dak's resume at Mississippi State was the touchdown-interception ratio and the rushing production. And then you saw him also running for a touchdown. He looked spry and fluid out there as a rusher. He's all the way back. Dak is back, baby. And they're dangerous. The Cowboys are going to be dangerous. I couldn't bring myself to betting on the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl. I, I did go with the Eagles, but it was close. It was it was razor close. I wanted the cow. My heart said Cowboys. My head said Eagles. I went with my head as I always do. But the Cowboys made history. Four straight missed extra points, and uh, this was the game I was watching with my daughter. So we did sit down and watch this game, first half, and they missed three extra points in the first half. So there is a bunch of stats, a bunch of missed extra point achievements that will never be replicated. I mean, we saw history, right? You'll never see ever for the history. Of- A hundred years from now in the NFL, you're never going to see four missed extra points, especially three in the first half. You're you're never going to see it. And my daughter was like, this guy sucks. This kicker blows, Dad. He's terrible. She didn't say blows. She would never say blows. She's never said blows as a uh, disparagement about anybody. Like, that's not what she would say. She she said he, he stinks, right? And I said, no, he doesn't stink. He just he has the the yips right now, but he could easily go on and have 20 straight made extra points. That's just how professional sports works. It's random chance involved. But the random chance involved in interceptions is so much higher than the random chance with extra points. Think about the events. They're the exact opposite events. So the extra point happens in a in a you know essentially a controlled environment rarely is the kicker pressured rarely is there a bad snap it happens but it's rare and you saw perfect snap no pressure miss perfect snap no pressure miss that's not how interceptions work in the league how interceptions work is they're typically caused by a randomized swirl of violence around the quarterback and then around the receiver and then sometimes tipped passes Along the way, at the halfway point, there can be random insertions of hands. That's why a player can have 15 interceptable passes on playerprofiler.com and only like three actual interceptions. See Brock Purdy. Whereas Dak, it's like almost every interceptable pass he throws is actually intercepted. And it's made even more difficult to predict by the fact that defenders are defenders because they don't have good hands. So whether or not an interceptable pass actually is intercepted is <sighs> impossible to predict. Extra points, very straightforward. So that's they're very different. Like One, highly susceptible to randomness. Dax interceptions, massive outlier, but given how interceptions happen, not anything to worry about, right? Whereas guy misses four straight extra points, very little randomness happening there, there's something mentally short circuiting. So when someone said, "Hey, uh, w- w- what's up with Dak? He's lost his ability to make good decisions. Wrong, wrong, wrong." Someone says, "Oh, uh, the kicker, Mahar. He's got the yips." Yes, that's true. Yes, I would uh, 100% that's <laughs> just it's just not possible otherwise. And listening to the broadcast, Troy Aikman, former Cowboy. So whenever the, whenever like a guy like Aikman is the broadcaster for a Cowboys game, and they like to do that. They like to make Aikman put him in the booth for a Cowboys game, knowing he's not 100% unbiased, but it's worth it because he can bring interesting information to the table. And early in that game, he said, you know, it's important that the Cowboys recognize that Tony Pollard has more juice than Ezekiel Elliott, and they need to feed him. They can't come out of this game and look up and see Zeke having more touches than Pollard. And that blew my hair back. I was like, really? You're saying this out loud? Cowboys apologist Troy Aikman? Cowboys insider Troy Aikman is insisting that they play Pollard predominantly over Zeke? Okay, I would like to see that, but I need to see that to believe it. And then sure enough, boom, there goes Pollard with more carries than Zeke, and Aikman called it. And just so everybody knows... That was not just a random hunch. Speaking of randomness, not a random hunch. Someone in Dallas told Aikman, hey, this, this this game's gonna gonna feature a lot of Pollard in the backfield, more than Zeke. And then we also saw it with Rashad White. Why do you think Rashad White's so highly ranked on our dynasty rankings? People can't believe how high he is. You gotta see the dynasty rankings to believe it. Like this isn't possible. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And then you saw how and why it's possible that they're phasing out Fournette because the game really mattered. And Rashad White on that screenplay that led them down uh, close to the end zone where Brady threw an interception, well, that was enabled by Rashad White juking out a defender in the open field and getting a key first down. That no way Fournette does that. No way. No chance. No chance. No way. So you want Rashad White in Dynasty. Tom Brady is on a couple of my Dynasty teams, and I have not tried to get rid of him. I drafted him in a startup last year because he's not done. He's not done. Number two in air yards, number three in passing yards. This is on the Roto Underworld player profiler Twitter. So at Roto Underworld, that's the official player profiler Twitter. Number six in expected fantasy points per game. He was very unlucky this year with drops. I mean, just brutalized by Mike Evans this year. He was top 10 in true completion percentage and deep ball, catchable pass rate. Tell me how that guy retires, especially after losing in the first round of the playoffs. He's not going to. Where is he going to go? Everyone's like, oh, well, Las Vegas. He's going to Las Vegas as a, a former Belichick disciple. His friend, as if they're friends. We don't know if they're friends, right? Josh McDaniel's there. Oh, must connect the dots. Well, last time I checked... The Titans have a better team, and Mike Vrabel is also a former Patriot. And unlike McDaniels, they actually played together. So it's a little bit different. One guy was essentially your your play-calling caddy in New England. The other guy was a full-blown teammate, a super important player in the early 2000s for the Patriots' defense. So I believe Tom Brady respects Mike Vrabel more than Josh McDaniel. The Titans are better positioned to be competitive in 2023 than the Raiders. So I know Josh McDaniels is going to make a, a a big push for Brady. Understood. But, you know, I, we, we we're we just we're talking about this Ryan Tannehill contract. And they have it out in 2023. Only $18.8 million of dead cap. So they can save $10 million by cutting him. And if they can do that and then hoard some cash and figure out a way to pay Brady, they're going to do that, right? So just look out for that. So Brady against Trevor Lawrence in 2023, who's going to be the champion of the AFC South, that's going to be fascinating. The official podfather call, and this I want to make sure this is official, this has some gravity behind it, Thomas Brady will be a Tennessee Titan in 2023. Sure to check out playerprofiler.com, we have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, dynasty deluxe, data analysis, DFS dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all. Daniel Jones just made 50 million dollars. Top 10 takeaways, baby! Hell yeah, it's happening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Top 10 takeaways. From this weekend's game, I have exactly 10 takeaways. Oh, baby. Let's go. Let's do it. Burrows at home. Take the Bengals. Wrong. Shame on me. Shame, shame, shame on me for releasing my picks too early. Pitts was the earliest drafted tight end ever. Drafted fifth overall before Jamar Chase. Big mistake. The problem with Daniel Jones is his face. No takeaways. Guess we're not getting takeaways. That's what I'm seeing on social media. Not to mention all the other advantages they have. Better front seven, better offensive line, just better receivers down the board. It's like, how better receivers? Yeah. When you compare Kittle versus Mike Gosecki. Why why did I why did I say Mike Gasecki? That doesn't make sense. What? Kittle versus Fant. Advantage Kittle. That's the difference, right? That is the difference. Big mistake. Ninety! Red ninety! <laughs>